MSU outgunned the air raid offense, but questions remain for this squad's secondary. Jaden Reed proves that he's the gruffest Spartan punt returner of all time, and Urban Meyer's about to lose 50% of his total wealth and assets. You're listening to Can't Read, Can't Write. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Can't Read, Can't Write, the podcast that proves Spartans can talk. I'm Mike Jones, joined, as always, by Piscataway's prodigal son, Kevin Greck. Greckers, how you doing, buddy? I'm going home this week. Coming home. I'm coming home. The People old are going to be deeply confused on the uh, podcast. Uh, I'm definitely not from Piscataway. But I am going there this week. Yeah, you're going to put the button, Butker. That that's right. That's, that's, my, my that's why they call me out. That's Does a Slenderman right. have a butt? And that voice is, of course, the guy who puts nasal and homosexual, Alex Plum. Plum, we have, a lot of, we have a lot of new listeners. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm deeply concerned that, that they think maybe I just committed a hate crime. Well, or you do. Slur. You And why wouldn't you? Now, no, you don't. And that's because I write this, this copy, this part of the copy. So I... Uh, worry not, dear listener, Mike Jones is a friend of, uh, of all, uh, except for those who call Rutgers home and those are not our friends. You, you might call me an ally. I, I need you to call me. I need you to call me an ally. Okay. I I'm need, gonna... I need <laughs> for the sake of all reviews, uh, f- uh, future and past. You are an ally. Yes, sir. Thank, 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 what, you, thank you. What an ally, Mike Jones, such an yeah. ally. Yeah. All right. Put that on your LinkedIn. right next to my pronouns uh uh, which are on my linkedin uh anyway thank you of course for listening uh we actually uh we normally say here if we could ask a small favor please share the pod with spartans in your life rate review and subscribe to the show wherever you get it uh and follow us on twitter and instagram at spartan underscore pod but in all seriousness uh gentlemen we do have a lot of new listeners uh and i want to say i think on behalf of all of us uh, thank you to all of those who have who've taken the time to add us to your your podcasts uh, and, uh, and enjoying this run that the Michigan State Spartans are on. Uh, we really appreciate the time that you're sharing with us and, and hope you stick with the show when inevitably a loss comes at some point in the future. Uh, but not for now. This is a, uh, well, this is a five 11th, 11th ranked team in the country, gentlemen. Your 5-0 and Michigan State Spittoons. Uh, and before we get into the old brass spittoon, uh, which we're not playing for this week, Greg, can you give the folks a rundown of what they can expect on this week's show, which is genuinely jam-packed? Yes, it is. Uh, because a good, well... Uh, first, we start with the Green Wall, uh, where football always leads, because uh, that team is number 11 in the country. Whether that is an earned ranking is another subject to be debated. Uh, then we're going to go off Grand River. We're going to talk about a couple things going on in the wider world of sport. And then we'll take your Twitter questions, where some of you new listeners have also converted into engagement. It's lovely. Content, content, content. Yeah. All right. Uh, comment in below. All right. Uh, let's head. Yes. Behind that green wall. Um, uh, Alex Plum, uh, we played Western Kentucky university this weekend. Uh, and they are a member of what conference? Uh, conference USA. They, uh, a notably non FCS program. Uh, some might say an FBS program. I, I wouldn't, but others might. <laughs> uh, so, uh, guys, I, like let's let's just do a quick little uh obviously you know 
set the table for folks uh, a, a an impressive impressive victory for the Spartans, um, scoring 42 in the first half, uh, ultimately winning 48-31 in a game that uh, saw a lot of success at all offensive positions. Um, so, Greg, I'll start with you because, um, uh, or you know what, Plum, let's head to you first. What were your sort of key contributors on the offensive side of the ball? Um, what, what can you say about this quarterback and his preferred receiver that this game doesn't say for itself, right? I mean, there is just something, um, about, uh, about Peyton Thorne. He looked great. They, um, between him throwing the ball at landing in everyone's hands, uh, especially, um, uh, Jaden Reed, you know, it was just, uh, God, it was unbelievable. I, I think Kenneth Walker looked great again as well. Um, he continues to put up numbers on the field and his runs. Um, was this the second, third game? He had 100 yards? Am I making that up? Did I make that up? Uh, fourth? 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 Oh, you, no, no, no. You're right. Yeah, third, third game. Yeah, third, third game. game. So, you know, it's like um, on the offensive side of the ball, and there, were a lot to, there was a lot to like. And uh, I think especially, at least I think I read somewhere, you know, well, I mean, everyone saw last week, not Walker's best game. Um, but there was some commentary that, uh, over the week, or I guess, I guess probably early this morning, um, that it was nice to see him bounce back. And I agree. I think he had a really strong performance. It was incredibly exciteful, exciting to watch him kind of come back and show that you can have a bad game and it's not going to, it's not going to cost him in the long run. Yeah. So uh, let's start with Ken Walker for a second. Greg, he goes, uh, 24, uh, 24 attempts for 126 yards, um, uh, not a single play for a loss of yardage, which is. I thought there was one. I counted well, one. It's not in. It's not in the box score. Ah, not in the box um, score. But it's, interestingly, uh, you know, three touchdowns. But uh, you know, unlike other successful rushing games we've seen out of him, doesn't hit like a giant home run in this game. No. So while he averaged five point three yards per carry, his largest run was fifteen. So it, uh, in in some ways. A steady Eddie, if you will. Huh. It's amazing his ability to make even five, six yard games exciting. Like the, the, he's amazing at turning nothing into at least like six yards or something like that. Yeah. Um, his vision on some of those cutbacks, I think his third touchdown where he was clearly supposed to cut to the outside, but then he pulls it up the middle. Um, I, I, think this is in my MSU fandom and no disrespect to Javon Ringer, no disrespect for, to Le'Veon Bell. I think this is the best running back I've seen. Um, and I, I mean, it's potentially the best running back I've seen on any big 10 team during that. Time. I mean, like that's tough to say. I mean, obviously there have been really good big 10 running backs, but he's incredible. It's unbelievable what he's able to do. You know, I was watching his interview post game, but you know, before we move on to some of the other contributors that it was, it was interesting at some point in time, he was asked about being in consideration for the Heisman. And, and I, I would say the, the whole of his interview is a ton of modesty. A, a like you know he was asked about the the play where he leaped over a guy and then you know dove for the pylon mm-hmm. and like it is not particularly descriptive just says uh, you know kind of a i just wanted it right like i, I just chose that i was going to score and 
but there's a lot of him that that seems kind of um bashful and shy and uh, and awkward and in an endearing way but in the spotlight but he was asked about winning the Heisman and it was interesting to me that he said on March 8th we had a speaker and they said it's good to write your goals down and I wrote that down that he wanted to win a Heisman hmm. and I like I I want to get back to this topic a little bit later. I don't know. I I I hope he's in New York because that means a lot about how our season went, right? Yeah. But like, I, I think we all agree it is quite possible that he is the best running back we're going to see for a long time at MSU. Right. Right. So um, I mean, well, he's got a hundred carries right now on the season, I believe. Uh, for that's six, it for oh. six hundred and eighty total yards and eight <laughs> touchdowns. It's wild. It's unbelievable <laughs> what he's doing right now. And not to take away anything from the offensive line. I think the offensive line was like the weakest element of the offense on Saturday. Um, but they, they're opening holes. They're doing things. But they're not, you know, this is not an Alabama offensive line that's pushing the defense back five yards before Kenneth Walker even gets touched. Right. What he's doing after initial contact is unbelievable. So, um, also speaking of, of the rest of the offense, how about the wide receiving core, uh, and their all purpose yardage in this game? I mean, it's possible. Maybe there's two guys in New York. (laughs) Yeah. Well, so uh, let's table Jaden Reed for a second, who I think we can spend a few minutes on, but Jalen Naylor and and uh, and Peyton Thorne have not been in sync this season. It seems like at times. Mm-hmm. After Jalen Naylor was, I believe, the better receiver last year. Sure, I mean certainly more productive. I think. Yeah. So this if, game, if he goes holds. eight receptions for 128 yards. I heard 98 of those were yards after the catch. So I mean, he was he was making his own way on a lot of that and. And in the post-game presser, it sounds like there might have been a conversation that happened about him not getting the touches and the conversions that that uh, that he needed before. Um, Big game for him, right, Plum? Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Mike. I mean, I think Naylor has probably. uh, I mean, I I think that this team has enough of an ethos that you don't have to worry quite so much about like. Hey, hey, bro, why am I not getting the ball as much? I mean, I think everyone knows the Reed-Thorn connection relationship goes back a long time, and we celebrate that. Clearly, it's paying dividends, but this was Naylor's best game in a while, and to see uh, this season, I guess, right? And to see him come alive, too, just continues to prove that we are, you know, we have multiple threats on the offense. On, on this side of the ball, Thorne has so many guys he can send it to, long pass, hand it off, let it run. I mean, I think see, seeing... Um, Naylor to get as many yards as he did is fantastic. Another confidence boon for him. Western Kentucky is not an easy team. And I think we were a little bit clear eyed last week around what could be awaiting this team. Clearly we haven't talked about defense yet and we have some, I have some concerns, but to see us put up as many points as we did against this program, that's fantastic. That's a five. It's a, this felt like a five and zero performance for me. Um, and I think Naylor was a huge component of that. And I think that is credit to him and credit to the, uh, the offense that this team is is working with. I th- I think that's a great fra- turn of phrase, uh, Plum. On this felt like a five and zero performance, and 
And so, Greg, I want to turn it to you on Jaden Reed because I have a couple words on on Trey Mosley and the wide receivers at large. But uh, I mean, <laughs> Jaden Reed, uh, four receptions for 127 yards, one t- touchdown, and uh, via receiving, and then another touchdown via punt return. Um, I believe actually bookending no 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 not quite bookending but uh nearly bookending his uh his performance at at nebraska um so what did you make of Jaden reed in an exceptional game i mean put all of those questions about whether or not your starter should be on special teams to bed like good god uh just setting the tone like the the first offensive play from scrimmage isn't enough for Jaden Reed anymore. He needs the first moment he touches the ball to be when he scores a touchdown. Um, I thought, you know, here's a guy. I, I don't know how he's so in sync with the quarterback here, but uh, <laughs> it's uh, I mean, he's making the most of it. You know, we heard really, really good things when he transferred out of Western Michigan. And then I'm not sure that we entirely saw it, to be frank, last year. I mean, he had a fine year. It was okay. It's a weird year. It was a strange year, and it wasn't a great year for him. But it's as advertised right now. If we're talking about guys going pro, I think Jaden Reed could be on that list. For sure. As well, really easily. So... It, to your uh, to your point about special teams, Mel Tucker was asked about that in the post game press conference, and and he sort of you know he's very respectful of the media, and and I I like that about him quite a bit. But he was kind of like, why the hell would I not yeah. play play a difference maker on on a third you know what what is considered like a third of the game? Yeah, if I got a dude like Jaden Reed, why would I not use him? I mean. It- it's so bizarre. Like I remember back in the, in the early days, um, uh, like Keyshawn Martin, you know, really had a lot that he did on special teams. Um, but then it, it just disappeared for the Spartans as, <laughs> as a facet of the game for a long time. Mm-hmm. And we talked about that two seasons ago, uh, and the inaugural season of can't read, can't write, uh, about, you know, what is it that we're trying to do on special teams? Why are we bothering? Basically, why not just fair catch every time and just make it official? Uh, and now to have a dynamic player like that in that yeah. position really goes to show why it's worthwhile, why you should, you know, emphasize uh, special teams um, and the the huge difference that it can make in the game. Well, uh, speaking of sort of, I I think special teams is a little bit about doing the little things right. And I want to shout out uh, the receivers generally, um, but also talk about Trey Mosley for a second. You know, only three receptions, 57 yards along a 27. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a guy who's going to be a dude for us going forward. Yeah. You, you know, we're going to lose Jaden Reed. Trey Mosley's a, a, a bigger guy. Like, you know, I think he's got a few inches, a couple few inches on those guys. Um, and I, you've seen so far this year that he's been a reliable third receiver that has come through in clutch moments for this yeah. team. Yep. And I bring Trey Mosley up because one of the things that sticks out to me about Trey Mosley and, and Jaden Reed is their blocking. 
And something I noticed in this game is that there were a number of, of sets that looked uh, what I think people who know more about X's and O's would call heavy, which is to say you had a bunch of people packed in near the line of scrimmage, or, you know, near the center. Um, and it, that's a very loose definition of it, but that, that, you know, we, we, we went from spread out to bringing a bunch of guys into the interior, you know, mo- motioning wide receivers in, um, sometimes Trey, Trey Mosley, sometimes Jaden Reed, mm-hmm. uh, and those dudes block. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I mean, and, and that is a difference maker for, uh, for Ken Walker that, you know, you got downfield blockers who it, it's like, if you can get to that second level, there's a, a guy you got to make a move on because you don't need to worry about your wide receivers losing their guy. Um, and I, I think that's been a, a big difference in this team over, you know, I think our offensive line honestly hasn't changed that much. The blocking downfield though, I think has been a bigger difference maker. Yeah. Reed's put down multiple big blocks for large gains. Um, I think most notably last game, the big Connor Hayward uh, get yeah. loose, start trucking dudes. I think that was, you know, spurned originally by a really solid Jaden Reed block. Um, Mosley had a huge couple in the Miami game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean this this has been the best offensive performance uh, for the team this year, uh, and what is the best offensive performance that I can remember for the Michigan State Spartans. In a long time, a hot minute. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to, yeah, we're going to move to the defense here, but I I would also say, you know, we've talked in the past about the basketball team that they're nice, such nice young men. Um, I also get this vibe out of the football team that there's a lot of team buy-in here Mm -hmm. and a lot of, I mean, they put a lot of guys in front of the press, which, you know, it, I mean, as a eight, as an 18, 19, 20 year old, um, to, to have to like go in front of a full press battery, uh, it, you know, I think says a lot about their, their confidence in, in the guys as just who they are. And, um, and they all seem really bought in and we'll talk a little bit more about that later on, but I, I just, I don't know. Uh, they, they seem like such nice guys who really like this team and believe in this team. So can we just say uh, to that point, I know you want to go on, but let me just say to cap on that. And we have, this podcast has talked consistently about the importance of culture. And if, 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 if Mel Tucker has done anything, it has created a culture where these guys are having fun. These guys are, are playing with a, with a zeal and a passion and a friendliness. And I know that I am partly swayed and wooed by the absolutely insanely good job that the media team, you know, it, it has put together the clips on Twitter and everything else. But they just, to your point, Jones, I think this flows from culture. And I think that Tucker is just doing such an admirable job of creating a brand an ethos and ethic, a culture of, of, of hard play of what he calls relentlessness that is manifesting itself in some fucking fun football to watch. Yeah. So I wanted to bookend. Fun is definitely the word. I'd also point out that this was the big concern going into this year with 40 new bodies (laughs) on the team. I mean, that's wild that this is such a strength of the team under those circumstances. And as we transition to a conversation about the defense, I think it's worth noting that the two players from the defense that were made available to the press after the game were Angela Gross and Michael Dowell. And I I say that's interesting because they're both D'Antonio recruits. 
both guys who came up under Coach D. And the thing that they kept saying multiple times in that that press availability was keep chopping. I mean, basically everyone that we've talked about to date, we should know, were D'Antonio recruits. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's fair, right. fair. That's right. Um, That's right. And, but it's, uh, it, it, you know, it is a full buy-in. And so let's talk about the defense. And and I, I know there's varying levels of, of freak out about the defense. Um, but, you know, Bailey Zappi, uh, who plays for Western Kentucky, is their quarterback. Uh, Made up name. Keep going. <laughs> uh, you know. What's, what's important is that he's a basket quarterback. This is, this is a <laughs> basket More nasal. A little, little more on the nasal. Uh, he, he goes 46 for 64. Yeah. Uh, with 488 yards in the air. Air raid, man. That's the blitzkrieg right there. For a dude who put 500 yards of nearly 500 yards of total offense up. Yeah. Only gets three touchdowns. Um, and, uh, so walk, walk me through that because, and this is again, my react and listen, I was camping. I listened to this game on the radio. I got to hear George Blaha call touchdowns left, right, and center the entire night. I feel like I couldn't go five minutes without hearing George Blaha call a touchdown, which is really incredible when you think about how the game lasted well in 3, 4 a.m. The game was still going on. Now that <laughs> games on Fox take five and a half hours to play. But that's, Dude. I'm sorry, I've, I've wandered. My point was, as I listened to this, and I'm, and it's true, for all, you framed it. That framing is incredibly helpful. But listening to it, I was just angry at the amount of yards he was able to complete on. And that was scaring me around what it meant for our secondary. So the big picture is good, but help me find some level of hope and lack of concern in the secondary right now, because it felt like, I mean, you're right. And we held them when it mattered. And we, you know, big three big red zones. They can only convert on a field goal. That's, that's big. I mean, I get that. I celebrate that, but 488 yards. Something, something, something. Ben, yep. don't break. Something, something. <laughs> yeah, so I have some takes on the defense that we can get into in a little Go. bit. But, uh, Go all right, fine. takes. Fine. Uh, so, uh, Scotty Hazleton comes from the Big 12. It is a, it is, that is a conference that is known for its offense and not for its defense. Okay. A, a successful, and, and here's the thing. Let's, let's actually f- set the table for Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky has played um, uh, before us. uh, I'm sorry. Before us, it was um, two other. uh, Yeah, two other FBS programs. Right. Am I missing a third one? No. Two other FBS programs Um, in in Army and uh, Indiana. Yeah. And um, in both of those games, they they scored roughly the same amount of points they scored against us. OK, um, they are averaging in in their their game so far. And admittedly, they they averaged more yards against us or they they earned more yards against us. But they're averaging five hundred twenty point five yards per game. Uh, they score points and they move the ball. And, you know, if, if, and, and the thing is, is that they've, they have capped their sample size of, of high quality opponents, you know, power five opponents rather, um, for the, for the season that the rest of their season is going to be against conference USC's USA. So we won't really probably see anyone challenge them. 
But I would argue that barring, you know, some truly, truly elite defenses, that they're probably going to move the ball against most people. It's it's schematically very good. Um, and so I, what I was impressed with about to, to circle back about why I'm not worried about this defense. First of all, the number of three and outs they, that they forced in the, the beginning of the game. Great. Second, the amount of open space tackling was incredible in yep. this game. Yep. Angelo Gross recorded 16 tackles, which Michael Dowell in the postgame, upon finding that out, said, sheesh, in, right. a, in a true display of awe. <laughs> and the, you know, uh, uh, let me pull it up here because it's, I mean, like it's, uh, we, we don't need to like go through all of it, but the, you know, so Angelo Gross, uh, 16 tackles, Cal Halliday, 10 tackles. Quaveris Crouch, eight tackles. Michael Dowell, seven tackles. Chester Kimbrough, six tackles. Darius Snow, five. Ronald Williams, four. Like, I mean, it was largely the second level that was involved, as you would expect in a game like this. Yeah. But they wrapped people up, and but for one truly explosive play that was the result of a freshman who was trying to strip the ball instead of just tackling the dude, which probably tacked on an additional 30 yards on the catch. Like, there were only a, a few plays that were particularly bad for MSU. I like I, I have a hard time looking at this as a team that moves the ball consistently and saying our defense is bad. I, I have a different yeah. take. I, I think we're going to see over the course of the season, Western Kentucky, like you said, puts these types of numbers up on just about any defense. Um, oh, wait, real quick. Sorry, Greg. The last thing, though is that MSU's scoring defense, which is to say the number of points that they're letting up per game, is 33rd in the country. So for everybody fretting about the number of yards per game we're letting up, in the red zone, when it counts, MSU has been just fine. To good, in fact. And, and, And if you told me that I had to take a sacrifice on what have been historically some pretty high level defenses in exchange for an explosive offense, I'm taking that trade every week. Yeah, I think every person <laughs> listening to this podcast would take that trade every week. Yeah, so sorry for monologuing, but like it's it's a bit of a passion point. I think the defense has been okay and getting better every game. The the other thing that I'd point out is the linebacking core uh gave up a little bit more yardage on those attempts that the Hilltoppers did make for rushing the ball yeah. that I would have liked. Um, they were selling out though, I think is probably, I I know, I I know, but still, uh, it did seem, it did seem like there was, there were some missed opportunities on the attempted rushes, but, uh, yeah, I'm with you, Jonesy. If, if there are trade-offs that need to be made, this is one that I would take every time. And, and I think it, it, part of it's a personnel thing, right? Like we're not particularly deep on defense. Yeah. Um, and so I, I imagine that over time this will get better. So this was one of your takes. What's your, what's your other take? You had a, a take about, uh, Russo yeah. something, something championship, something, something. Yeah. So I think back in the spring, maybe even the winter Russo was interviewed and, and talked about the reason he came to Michigan state was, uh, to win championships. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we, we might've clowned on him a little bit about that. Um, and I'm not in a place where I'm even remotely suggesting uh, that Michigan state is here to win championships this year. Mm. But notably Ken Walker said uh, 
that they seem to think that's something they can do. And I'll say this about that, which is, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a sincere belief. That's not, I, I don't think that's a platitude. I think that they believe that if they play their best football, that they can compete in every game. I well, don't disagree with that statement. If at you all. look at the five football games that they have played, they have won each of those five. And if you continue to do that, that indeed you means will win a championship. So, so I, you know, like, I guess this season is uh, by record and by eye test going better than I ever imagined it would. Yeah. Yeah. And so all that's all that's by way of saying is that I I have a hard time in, and I thought I was full blown in the Kool-Aid when I was like, man, I think we can win this game and this game and this game and then all the shit. Suddenly we're six and oh or seven and oh going into Michigan. What like what does that even look like? But we are where we are right now and more than I ever believed before, I think this team is fully bought into the idea that they can win. They can win every week. Well, here's the thing. You're going to learn a lot about this team over the next three weeks. Yes. They're going to go four. four, four. Yeah. Uh, they are going to go play two big Ten road games um, against teams with a pulse. And then they're going to have their rival come into their stadium after have that. A- a bye week after a bye week, of course, I'm talking about the actual games being, yeah, sure, sure. So yeah. if, uh, if they take care of business through those three games and go to eight, no, right. They have every bit of a, sh- they, they are in big 10 East title contention at that yeah. time. Absolutely. I mean, speaking as a long suffering Michigan state football fan, um, <laughs> long suffering, it, <laughs> dude, we it, were in the college football playoff. Not that right. I mean, six listen, years listen, ago. Listen, it, it, you, it, it, growing up, I've been mean, growing up. I'm really coming of age under John L. Smith. Yeah, does inflict a lifelong yes form of trauma, <laughs> which I carry. And, and this is my point, which is to say, you just, I just expected the wheels to fall off the bus by now, and and they almost did. Look at Nebraska. Right. I mean, and I know you called that the wake up call or game or was that the one and, and was that the one we were supposed to lose? And I think under most other programs, it would have been we would be a three and one team or a four and one team right now. You know, so I think where we are is a little bit surprising because we won games objectively. Well, I mean, looking at the season like you, Jones, I looked at this up. We, we should absolutely be five and right now. There's not even a question. Of course, we'll be five and right now. But historically. It, it, we shouldn't be. That's the difference. We should be three and two. We, we should have dropped two of those games just on Michigan Stateness, and we'd have been like, well, we're learning and blah, 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 blah. And we never best games, and he overthrew, and they underran. But these guys have eked out wins that they shouldn't have. So, to Greg, I'm underlining your point. I can't wait to see what the next two weeks look like personally. Those are, again, on paper, eminently winnable games for this program, even though they're on the road. But I know. what happens? No, but that's just it. But so what happens? That's well, that's for me the thing. We're gonna preview the Rucker here in a moment, but this looks like a one and one split, right? By all in all likelihood, right? Is I'll that fair say, to say? Here's what I'm I'm willing to say is that if there's a loss, 
it's worth remembering that the the East feels a little bit more wide open this year than it has mm-hmm. in the past few mm-hmm. years. So goals are still in front of us. That's 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 all I'm willing to commit to at this point in time. Sure. Um, Plum, do you have any passion? Doesn't make it pundit takes uh, before we talk about some other football news. Uh, I don't is know. it about FCS, FBS related? Oh my business? god! You know what? Teams there shouldn't be FCS and FBS. There should just be FAS. All right, football always scores, and I shouldn't be required to know the difference whenever I'm on one of my innate and irate uh, uh, upsetnesses. And who cares if I didn't fully understand that Western Kentucky's offense was as good as they are, or at least that they're able to put up as many yards as they do. I have a right to be upset at the secondary as right as, as much right as any other armchair. I'm an, I'm an American. What? I'm an American. This is so ah. loud. Anger. So that's it. Uh, also Western Kentucky's uh, fourth down conversion rate was incredible going into this game. We stomped them. Anyway. Fantastic. Uh, uh, yeah. Let's talk about the other side of this. Unfortunately, there has been some roster uh, movement. What? Some roster movement? Yes. Yeah. There has been some churn on the roster. Jonesy, walk us through this. Yeah. So um, we didn't cover this last week, but uh, on the pod, but before we recorded the podcast, um, it was noted that Alex Akello, a freshman from the class of 2021, uh, had entered the transfer portal. He was a defensive end, but I think was noted for his speed, but needed to gain a lot of weight going into, you know, if he was, if he was going to be expected to compete and play. Um, he entered the transfer portal, uh, unknown why, um, you know, certainly wish him well. Um, the two more, interesting transfers if you will that probably came about or reported first while we were literally recording um were chase klein a linebacker who was uh somewhere between third and fourth out of um you know in a in a two-man system uh and then kalon gervin uh who was uh again maybe third or fourth on the uh, in the cornerback slots but both um, these guys were contributing yeah, Chase Klein literally recorded a sack uh, the night before he transferred out. Um, yep. uh, Kalen Gervin was getting reps, though, you know, I, I think maybe we actually kind of called it out after the Miami game that he had gotten burned a few times there. And it, and it seemed like Chuck Brantley, a true freshman, had passed him on the depth chart. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a lot of speculation that these guys entered the transfer portable because it was the fourth game and it had something to do with their red shirts. Mm-hmm. Um that doesn't make any sense though, because they already had taken Richards. Um, so it's probably just a reflection of uh, this is a, a time that a lot of other, other dudes who maybe hadn't taken Richards would be entering the portal. Right. And if you get in the portal earlier, you're more likely to get picked up sooner rather than later is yeah. maybe the thinking for people in a still a market that's relatively untested. So what does that mean for the top of the funnel? Walk us through the recruiting news real quick. Oh, well, I, I guess real quick, though, like as it relates to Chase Klein, we saw Noah Harvey take a lot more snaps. Uh, Ma'a Nateate, uh, a true freshman, also got snaps in the game uh, at linebacker. Um, and at uh, at cornerback, we saw 
a lot more Chuck Brantley. Yep. Um, so um, that's, and I think Flowers uh, got some run at, at cornerback as well. So, you know, the, this team's challenge uh, has always been depth. And these are two guys that were kind of really important that it's a bummer to see him leave. Um, wish them well, assume, assuming they're not in the big time. Um, anyway, uh, yes, recruiting news, though. Huge, huge week for Mel Tucker. Um, we picked up two commits, um, one for the class of 2023, one for the class of 2022. Uh, Dylan Tatum, a top 10 recruit in the state of Michigan, uh, committed to uh, Michigan State University, and um, uh, he's a what is he five eleven um, one ninety. Uh, he's listed as an athlete, but will almost certainly be playing um, maybe safety, maybe some maybe nickel um, for Michigan State. And he called out that the reason that he committed to MSU is he, in one of the camps, got one-on-one coaching time with Tucker and was just blown away by the experience. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. Culture. Yep. And that makes this, it, well, it continues to build what is a very impressive class. Now, I was on the record even just over the summer saying we hadn't seen it yet from, from Tucker. Right. Well, that has changed. We're seeing it now. This is the the fifth composite four-star. Um, yeah. And MSU had only six composite four-stars in the previous three seasons combined. So four. classes, what's that? Previous, previous four. Previous four, pardon me. Uh, so the class is currently up to 17th in the nation on the 24 uh, seven. But it does include Trey Holloman, who will never play football. Uh, that's a basketball recruit, but he's a relatively high ranked uh, football recruit. Anyway, what's important about this is that dude has things moving in a certain direction right now. And it is very, very impressive. Yeah, uh, that would also be. Um... Yeah, fourth in the in the state. That's huge. That is a huge portion of the top ten state. Uh, top ten of the state. Um, so uh, also um, our first twenty twenty three commit, uh, Brennan Paracek, a out of Dexter, Michigan. He's a six six two thirty five tight end, and um, he is also a top ten recruit in the state of Michigan. So you know, I I think one of the things that we talked about is is Tucker building a national footprint. That's very exciting, mm-hmm. but I mean, you yeah. crossed it down in the outline. He's winning in the state right now. Yes. Yeah, he is winning in the state right now. It looks really good in the state. Yes. Let's move on to basketball really quick because there was an open practice and Izzo talked to the media uh, first and foremost. And the thing that Izzo seemed to want to talk about the most, yeah. uh, talking about <laughs> culture. Team's 100% vaccinated. There's none yeah. of this NBA garbage that, that we have to deal with. 100% and, vaccinated. And, and 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 he pointed out, I think, that that it was the team's decision, that the team led themselves into this, right? This wasn't him cajoling. This wasn't him on the phone with parents. This was a decision that they made together. And I think that just speaks to, um, again, what well, speaks to culture, but it also speaks to a, a climate or a, 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 an environment where science is respected, 
where people are making decisions based on health, based on selflessness, uh, and, a, and an esprit de corps. It's just something you love to see. And I esprit I, de corps. What does that even? And mean? I was just excited that he that that's how he let off the presser, and that was where he spent a lot of his time. I will also point out though that it's only like six percent more vaccinated than MSU at large. Like the university is almost sure. fully vaccinated as well, but still. Uh, very exciting information, almost as exciting as what we saw from the open practice. Uh, this was for Spartan fans, your first look at Tyson Walker. And, uh, there's a point guard there that he's going to be a dude. Uh, people keep talking about this one bounce pass in particular that he made on the run to, to Hauser, uh, Hauser appears to be making the biggest sort of bounce back of everyone, but is he moving better? Does he uh, look better on his, on his feet? He looks a little bit better. He's also less dropping l- less slack jawed, little less, a uh, little less, uh, still a little bit lost on defense. I thought, but oh boy, <laughs> drop some, drop some solid three pointers, uh, was running the floor. Um, All right. All right. Hogard has slimmed down and is splitting point guard duties. Now, Everyone might remember he looked a little Connor Haywardy last last year. I didn't um, think so. It, he was thick for a. Uh, uh, oh, 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 that's where we're getting it in yeah. now. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly it. Bearish, as it were. But go on. Um, so I don't think we're moving him off the ball. Uh, there was speculation that Jay Nakins is going to take those minutes, and in this practice, at the very least. Not what happened. Um, Izzo called Akins, him out as his as his dude. Yeah, though Aikens did look good. Uh, Aikens and Max Christie looked good. Uh, Max Christie definitely putting some weight on the body, but there's a little bit more to go there, I think. But it's obvious that he is going to fit right in on this team, and he's just going to. I mean, it's he's ready to go. He's ready to go day one. The, Max Christie yeah. doesn't look. Other than physically, he doesn't really look like a freshman. Um, And then uh, on that subject, uh, I think it might be fair to say that Pierre Brooks is sort of on the outside looking in on that freshman class. But there's a lot to like about Pierre Brooks. There's he's got clear potential. So don't go don't go giving up on Pierre Brooks quite yet. But the team looked the team looked solid. You know, Bingham looked okay. Soko physical. Uh, as always, uh, but yeah, uh, very exciting, very exciting time. So, uh, the, you know, the primary focus is on the five and no football team, but the guys, I I think this is a team that's going to take a step forward this season. Great. Step off the bubble. Uh, can we just say out loud that, uh, do not skip this ad read, please do not skip this ad read. It's much shorter. All right. Uh, thank you, Anchor. And now we're going to head off Grand River. Plum, what do we got? March Madness, the trademark we've all come to love and know, associated as always with the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, is going to be used for the first time in 2022 for the women as well, which is kind of exciting considering uh, the last time they had a tournament, the women were relegated to play in the locker rooms. Of uh, the Hyatt Marriott? Of, of a Marriott hotel, yes. They were playing in... Marriott, which you didn't know a Marriott hotel had locker rooms, but yeah, they did. Uh, no, and that and, Marriott didn't know at the time. <laughs> <laughs> no one knew. What's that noise? <laughs> <laughs> it was, I just was fluffling my lips. No, I think, I think this is really something. I, I think it's I, for one, I actually didn't realize 
which goes yeah. to show my own ignorance. I didn't realize that we didn't use the phrase March Madness, but I will be using it along with the big dance and other colloquial uh, one-offs to refer to the women's program. And I didn't know this until I was reading into it some more, how much credibility Alan Haller, Michigan State's athletic director got. He was the only AD to fly down. It was in Texas, right? To fly down to Texas at the site of the women's tournament last year, when all the news was breaking, highlighting the inequities, the disparities in treatment, the terrible conditions of the facilities to go down to ask the women how he could support them. Wow. I didn't know that. The only emissary from a program um, of his stature to come down and do that and how much credibility and credit he got, not only at Michigan state, but across women's basketball for that. So I, I, I thought that was a huge feather in our cap and, um, and great for him and, and a good move on the behalf, on behalf of the NCAA, an institution not known for good moves. So good we them. didn't even know about that at the time when he was MSU's associate athletic Correct. director. Correct. Yeah. Which just goes to show he didn't have to, it wasn't, this wasn't a thing that was done to herald anything. This wasn't mm-hmm. to get him credit. This was to literally go and take care of the team. Right. And make sure that they, they had what they needed to be supported. So. Um, and it's, uh, you know, it's worth mentioning a play, a, a thing that there will be continued disparity in, but that has more to do with contracts that have been signed is that the men's and women's tournaments for the time being will continue to be hosted in different locations. But, uh, I believe in like five years, give or take, um, men's and women's tournaments will be hosted in the same spot, which will, uh, provide yeah. actual yeah. true gender equity. Um, uh, a, a quick programming note, uh, Everyone's favorite worst person, Dan Dockage, has been fired from ESPN. No. And will be relegated to the place that he probably most belongs on the Outkick Network. Oh, that is you feel bad for him, don't you? Don't you feel bad? Don't you wish don't you wish he had an opportunity like as a scissor lift operator in windy days? Wouldn't you hope that that might be a better job? (laughs) Well, his show Indiana sack up. Uh so you know. Ah. Uh, it is going to play into all the tropes that you might hope uh, a Dan Dockett show would. Um, so, Dan, we wish you everything you deserve. What are we going to do out of commercial breaks when he doesn't take over the whole floor and make it all about himself? <laughs> are we going to actually have to watch the game that we tuned in to see? Is there no a one wants that. Is there a less likable person on television right now? Let well, me think about it. I'm sure I, I mean, Joel Klatt, maybe? He's not on television anymore. <laughs> the point. Outkick Network is not on television. Not, not on television. Uh, nice. Well, that's fun. We've, that we, that's fun. Uh, speaking of fun, uh, Jonesy, we're going to a football game on Saturday. I am so jealous that jo- that Greg is, that the A, that the TSA, and TSA, if you're listening, I don't know that this man should be flying in an airplane. I want to be clear about that, but you somehow got a ticket. So there you go off to Piscataway. Actually, I don't have to have a ticket. I just like weasel my way. I like, I slither down the top of the jetway and onto the plane. I don't even go in the terminal. It's like a piece of paper. If you turn it like the other way, you can no longer really see it. Mm -hmm. It's like too thin to be seen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I like, I, I like this for you. Um, uh, yeah, so we're going to go play the Rutger, um, and that's very exciting. Uh, Rutger is leading with a, a relatively speaking balanced attack. Um, there, you know, if you, if you buy into the, the hype, if you will, of their, of a, of a big 10 media spot previewing them, it is, uh, a gentleman, um, 
Isaiah Pachenko, uh, who is their leading rusher with 71 attempts and 287 yards gained on the ground for a net of 267. Um, it is uh, the thing about the Rutger that's kind of interesting to me because they've they played a schedule that uh, I think we could probably describe as meh at best um, with, uh, you know, well, I'm sorry. They've been housed by Ohio State. They lost to Michigan in a real nail-biter that we're going to get into in a second. But otherwise played Temple, Syracuse, and Delaware. So, you know, whatever. Uh, but Rutger is 3-2 uh, and two coming into this game. Uh, we'll spread the ball around a bit, probably a little bit more run-heavy. Uh, not particularly effective on offense, but is defensively sound. But let's dial into, you know, I think it's unfair to look at Rutger uh, as it relates to Ohio State. But instead, I think the most comparable game uh, that we can look at is is their game against Michigan. Mm -hmm. And uh, as a maybe indicator for what we might be able to expect out of um, out of them. So what's interesting is if you went through the stat line, you'd be forgiven for expecting that Rutger won that game uh they had 352 yards of total offense to michigan's 275 um they ran uh approximately 20 more plays um they averaged uh give or take the same number of yards per play as michigan um but it ends up being a a truly um uh snooze fest from a scoring perspective well, affair at 20 to 13 that that's a game uh, so i watched that game and that was a game that michigan really should have lost and and really is an indictment on Rutgers for not being able to bring that home hell uh, michigan got i think one was able to get one first down in the entire second half and i texted you guys about that in, t- in the re- in real time saying ha losers and then of course we went on to not get a single first down in the second half against uh, nebraska that week so so that, that was, was your fault. That was so me. Now we understand where that came from. But but let's be clear. Rutgers, so Michigan entered that game averaging 350 yards rushing. It was leading the nation, and, and Rutgers held them to just 112 yards on the ground. I mean, that that's a reduction of, of, of like 66%. So it does say something about when Rutgers, and you just mentioned their defense, Jones, when they when they come to play and when they play semi effectively, right? They're 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 able to hold teams that otherwise can move the ball seemingly at will. So that's one take. But the bigger issue for Rutgers is they just couldn't score. They were in the red zone on Michigan and they held them back. They held them back time and again. This was a game that that the Scarlet Knights absolutely should have won and they couldn't do it. They couldn't put it away. So. You know, Greg Schiano, let's hope, has not figured out the recipe to motivating his team, and we can include his name on a long list of coaches who who are fired at the end of the season um, at the hands of that, one. That won't, that no, won't happen. Zero percent going to happen. Well, but I, I will say that the difference between the University of Michigan and Michigan State, and this is not meant to be throwing you know, gas on a, on a rivalry flame, but – Michigan State has thus far proven that it has a an offense that can attack in in two different modes that Michigan has not proven yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so while Michigan State has been quite, or, I'm sorry, while the University of Michigan has been quite successful running the ball, it is clear that Rutger was able to defend that run. And so, you know, you can look for them to bottle Ken Walker up because I, you know, I think every team, every team that we're going to play is going to say, I'm going to make the 
give or take, you know, first first year starter on at quarterback beat me. Right. And you, you got Jaden Reed, you got Jalen Naylor, but like you got to get the ball to those guys. So yeah, but um, what they haven't heard is that Thorne and Reed have been working on this for years. So maybe what you do is you stop that childhood friendship and you sell out on the pass and you, You, I think you go back in time. Yeah. I think you hop in the time machine and and you destroy their friendship. You do, you do a Terminator two on this thing. Yeah. Uh, no, but in all, in all seriousness, I would expect Rutgers to sell out on the run. Um, I would expect them to to you know obviously try and disrupt uh, Peyton Thorne when possible, but that maybe Ken Walker doesn't have his best game again, uh, and you hope that that Peyton Thorne doesn't have a bad game, an actively bad game in the way that he did at times in Nebraska, at Nebraska or against Nebraska. Um, and so, um, though I, I do think on the defensive side of the ball that we have proven that we are pretty stout against the run, and I and I suspect that is where. Uh, the the true strength of the Rutger offense is is in the run. So I I actually suspect Michigan State pulls this one away. Well, the line is MSU by five, right on the road it, in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, it came down a bit from where it started. I think it started at six and a half and it came down to four and a half. Maybe uh, okay. All right, fair enough. Interesting. Um, I I take Michigan State in this one. Not that you know I'm I'm a homer, but I no. I actually think this is a this is a winnable game for them. All right. Okay. We can do it. Let's go. Twitter questions. All right. Let's start with Raymond Chains, who we're going to start this off on a somber note because that's the way we roll in Twitter questions. (laughs) Uh, Who writes? Actually, Plum, do you want to read this one? Um, I can't read, but I can give it a shot. Okay. Thank you. All right, Raymond. We love you, buddy. Uh, Did you say Coeur d'Alene earlier? Did you use a French phrase? Esprit de corps, but that's neither here nor there. All right. Raymond writes, I realize sports are the greatest distractions and great sports are the best distractions. It's not that I don't think hardworking people deserve a weekend of football, beer, green, and what have you. It's just that these days I find myself more than occasionally wondering how much longer we'll be able to enjoy the things we love. Climate change seems to be the headline week to week. What do you guys think is going to happen? How do we get people to see that they're going to be affected and start to deal with the situation? Um, Raymond will probably recognize that we edited this, condensed it a little bit for clarity, but he went on to mention that, you know, there's times after years of inertia, sort of sea changes take place. He referenced Black Lives Matter, Me Too, um, even how quickly we were, the country was sort of able to mobilize in the face of World War II. Some of us thought maybe we'd mobilize that that quickly in light of COVID, that, that we grew wrong on. But point remains... Um, <laughs> I think it's a good question. I mean, I, I think it's a fair question. I, what do you guys, what, what do you, I mean, like, I just read the question. What do you, but what do you think, Greg? You know? Yeah, it's something I'm going to ponder as I'm on my flight out to the East Coast for a football game. Um, yeah, no, it's, we, this is a concern of ours, Raymond, yeah. as well. Uh, certainly, our, our focus has been on COVID and public health crisis that we're in more immediately, but this, this is the bigger looming threat, uh, not just here domestically, but worldwide. You know, we've already shown how difficult it is for countries to deal with uh, displaced populations. Climate change is going to cause more and more of that. It's going to have a knock-on effect into other economic, you know, issues. Um, I mean, so often it said, you know, 
the planet's going to be fine. It's humans that are going to find themselves without a place to live. I, I do find myself occasionally optimistic. Uh, we try not to be too political, but there is a very substantial, uh, there's very substantial legislation in the house right now, uh, that will, that it hopefully will involve be coming in line with, you know, certain, uh, you know, the, the Paris health or the Paris climate accords. Um, even if technically the United States isn't in them anymore. Um, and then also I think more widely, I, I think people around me have begun to realize this. And I think there's a degree to which individual behaviors are starting to change. So I, I understand the gravity of this. I also understand how you can be, how it can seem really overwhelming and it's a huge problem, but I, I think things are bending in the right direction here. Jonesy, what do you, what do you got? Uh, I'll just say Raymond, uh, uh, I, I'm less worried about me. I'm more worried about my kid. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm deeply concerned about what he's going to get out of life, um, and how his life will be different than, than my own. Um, and I think, uh, the one thing I'll say on a, on a positive note is that it, uh, feeling that, that things are insurmountable is, is a false feeling. And I think it's the worst part of the the climate change uh, conversation and movement. I I think largely we've done a lot in in the eco space that that somehow shifts the burden to the consumer, which is a BS notion. Like that recycling is some individual responsibility instead of you know we should be charging people who make plastics for that. But it, either way, you you as an individual and all of us as an individual can contribute to making a more positive impact on, on climate. Mm -hmm. Um, there are, it, it is not hard to Google, literally Google, what can I do to fight climate change? And they are not all crazy, drastic matters, measures that you can do little, little things that, you know, figure out what works for you. And if you can, you know, let's tie it back to MSU for a second. Mel Tucker talks all the time about, uh, you know, the aggregation of marginal gains. If I can get 1% better today and 1% better tomorrow and 1% better the day after that, that over the time you become a much better player. The same is true in any larger scale thing that you want to be a participant in. You know, it, 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 you know, I sometimes I think about that in the context of I want to have a better diet. And so it's like, what small changes can I make to make something that's sustainable? Your ability to impact climate change is the exact same. And so we're going to hopefully get off our soapbox here in a second. But if it's something you care about, find the place that you can make a difference in the world right now. That's not a giant sacrifice to you. And then and then reassess after you've made that a habit. And and, and, and we can genuinely make some change. All is not lost. Uh, can we move on? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up. On a, on a lighter note, I'm glad we led with climate change, guys. <laughs> Is, is, next up from Raymond James. I love this. Is Frank Zab the third likely to play in the NFL, or does that scheme of play just make him look good? I think that this is a clear reference to our breadbasket quarterback of the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers, right? Bailey Zappi, yes. And I would say Bailey Zappi is a very talented quarterback. Uh, I don't know what his measurables look like. 
which is a weird thing for the NFL, but like dude, pa- dude passes accurately with velocity and gets the ball out quickly and can throw a long ball. There's no reason to believe that he, he couldn't be, uh, he couldn't find a career in the NFL and he can get out fast because he can be totally hobbled and still be in the game for a full. Oh, we didn't even talk about that. How insane that was the time to talk about this. Good God. Malpractice. Third game in a row that MSU has, has hurt a quarterback this and one this is an asterisk, though. I mean, it wasn't MSU that hurt the quarterback here. Fine, whatever. Dude is legitimately limping the entire time, and they're not in conference play. They didn't need this win to achieve whatever their goals are for the season. Now, maybe it would have helped, but like in the grand scheme of things, they're not going to end the year ranked with losses to Army and, and Indiana. So I don't know how you have a quarterback that is limping around and choose to continue to play him. For his career alone. Yeah. Uh, like, as a coach, you're a custodian of players. Like, holy yeah. shit. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I, I felt know. bad for the kid. Though he he did seem, he had the face of an 80s villain, which makes me think he's like, he's a competitor. Like, he, he wasn't leaving that game unless you forced him to. So, uh, anyway. You got thoughts on this, correct? No. I, I get would, it. I already did. All right. D'Antonio shows up next from Rain and Chains. The coach feels vindicated to see Tucker employing his strategy of not scoring in the second half. Quote, I told you guys, nothing happens in the second half in modern football. End quote. (laughs) Or special teams, he added. Or special teams. Well, it does now. Uh, We didn't talk about this either. Raymond, you got to, we got to just have you as a co-host on the, on the podcast because these are both two really good points. I mean, MSU for the second game in the row really stalled in the second half. Concern? I think the stall in the second half this time around was different than the stall in the in the Nebraska yeah. second oh, half. Fair, 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 fair. Uh, like I think Peyton, I think Peyton Thorne was bad at Nebraska or I- against Nebraska. Yeah. I think this was just some weird. Yeah, I'm not worried. I'm not. Worried. Next up from Mamapaleaf, uh, number one, Rutgers was originally named <laughs> Queens University, but renamed after phil- philanthropist uh, Colonel Henry Rutgers, a Revolutionary War hero in 1825. What Midwestern philanthropist could you see MSU being renamed after? Plump. Uh, uh, God help us. There's a right here. There's a right answer here. Yeah. Well, there's also a wrong. That's that's the difference. But I don't feel comfortable with it. I don't. I don't feel comfortable with this being named after United Wholesale Mortgage or. Oh no no no. Well, you know who you know who really because Ishbi has not wanted his name on anything. Correct. Yet, but you're right. The answer is Sekia. Oh Oh my God! All caps. Peter yeah. and Mrs. Sekia. Oh the Honorable uh, Ambassador Peter Sekia and wife. <laughs> Michigan, <laughs> Michigan Sekia University. <laughs> oh, God, he's terrible. All right. He's was terrible? Yeah, was. he was. Yeah. Uh, COVID, man. Yeah, what we've learned, Mamapaleaf, is that let's stop naming things after people. Um, next up. Number two, from Amopolyf, did Jonesy send out an invite for the at Spartan Pod tailgate this coming weekend? I checked spam and still cannot find anything. Maybe it was sent only to the top three Twitter question winners. <laughs> the salt. She's good. 
<laughs> and she's she's holding a grudge. As well from she the, should. From the summer. As well she oh, should. Oh, it's so good. Uh, for, the, for new listeners, uh, over the summer we have power rankings of our Twitter questioners and uh, my Maple Leaf. Uh, I'm I'm sorry to say. Uh, Greg is the one who was holding court with winners. A very strong fourth place, though. See <laughs> uh, Anthony Garvert, and um, and you weren't invited, so I don't know what to tell you. Tell you what, Mamopoli, hop a jet plane on out to uh, Piscataway. Nope. Uh, we'll nope. hang with you. Nope. We'll hang. Yeah, nope. We will. Find a hotel. Next up, uh, number three from Mamopoli. Uh, and speaking of that time of year again, in regards to hearty mums, which variety do you prefer? Rows of petals, pom-pom, petals curving up. Pe- All right, she just continues. Uh, also, interesting fact, mums do favor full sun, but also appreciate some afternoon shade. Uh, it's a Jonesy- single daisy affect for me. All day, every day, it's the only way. Okay, yeah. there okay. we go. Jonesy, anything yard-wise you want to say about mums? I, I bought some today, and it's a real problem because oh I have a shade-heavy uh, shade yeah. home, and, uh, and I don't know that they're going to survive on the front porch. But I also bought some kale for my planters. So okay. I'm excited about that. Yeah, let's move All right. on. From this. Next up, the Everdeck Jerk Guy. Where do you think Reed and Walker will go in next year's draft? I have some thoughts on this, but does anyone else have thoughts? Uh, top half right now? Um, I would my be thought even... is Reed goes higher than Walker. Ooh, that's, that's, my, that's my hot take. I mean, it depends so much on what else is going to be out there in these position groups. So... Um, I, uh, we're going to go third, fourth round on those yeah. guys right now. Yeah. yeah Something yeah. like that. Do you think Reed comes back because of his middle school connection with the quarterback? What is this? <laughs> we should talk about this. Wait, are they friends? <laughs> Next up from the upper deck jerk guy, Plum. Uh, when do you think Mel Tucker will get a cigar sponsor? Oh my God. If he hasn't gotten one by now. That's like, sort of insulting, right? Right. I, I, there is a, like a humidor place in a little, uh, in a, in a little strip mall right off of the highway in Okemos. I don't know if it's still there or if he's like, just, they're putting an extra wing on that place because of him right now. I was sad to see that Campbell's was closed in East Lansing. Cause I, that would have been a sponsor. Sure. Is it? Yeah. Oh, which I mean, in fairness, they should have been closed because they, you can't be selling Lucy's of of cigarettes to like college kids. That's that feels like it should be illegal. <laughs> like that that place was broken. Uh, last up in classic upper deck jerk guy fashion, what did you think of Gabe Brown's practice yesterday? Uh, Greg, you watched. What did you think of Gabe? Uh, uh you know, upper deck jerk guy. Gabe gave his round, and then he gave some more. But this was a pretty good Gabe, as far as Gabe goes. Better, better Gabe than most. All right. All right. Uh, this is going to be an inspired conversation. Plum, I'm going to start with you. Thoughts on the quote-unquote woodshed? B-List says, I think it's stupid. Um, I... I, it's complicated. Ooh. I don't, I didn't like it initially, but I wanted to give Mel the benefit of the doubt and he loves to keep chopping. So it felt like a thing. And I was like, well, if it's going to be a thing then let it be a thing. Um, and then there was the deep end and I was like, okay, I like the concept. Like we dragged, we dragged him into the deep end and because it was in Miami. And so it was more metaphoric. And then, and then it 
but it's continued and now that's the student section. And so now I'm like confused, like, well, is it the woodshed or is it the deep end? And they don't both go together. And then isn't it Spartan stadium? So there's three different things and I'm trying to be optimistic and open-minded, but I'm also just like old man yelling at cloud. So we are if it was the buzz, if, if it was the buzz saw for like the, the student section, would that be more up your alley? Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Um, Greg, you you have some thoughts on this. I do not like the deep end, and I also don't think that the deep end is going to stay for very long. What do you so, think of the wood the woodshed? I like that more than the deep end. I don't. That's I don't. Can I just clarify? I don't like the deep end as like a physical place, but I loved it when he referenced it after the Miami win, and I loved right. that that is a thing that he tells them because it can be taken in a number of ways. It doesn't nothing. You don't have to make all of this concrete. So just stop doing that. Yeah. So. Here's all I'll say is is that uh, to provide a bit of contrarian to to this, uh, I am I am pro adding some intensity to Spartan Stadium, and if if sharing a name that the 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 student athletes have used for a long time, for I guess maybe twenty ish years, as it relates to Spartan Stadium um, internally with the public as a as a place that like you know, that being a fan there means that you, you contribute something that there's an expectation of your output when you're in the stadium, then I'm pro that. If, if putting a name on the student section and, and I'm not saying that it's the same as the is but like, you've got to start somewhere Yeah. for what, what are we going to do for our student section to put some pride on that? Then I'm in favor of that. Now, has he mixed metaphors? Yes. Should you have done one, one year and maybe something another year? Probably. But I, I don't hate any of it from a let's make this a place like let's make fans invested in the experience because what they do I and mean, we saw it against Nebraska. How many false starts did they have? Mm-hmm. You, you saw it at times against Western Kentucky. And and so I'm I'm pro that and I'm pro the student section being part of the experience because they've done something special at Breslin. And if we could replicate that, then I think that's great. Uh, next up from B list. <clears throat> Where's my $20. <laughs> uh, this is of course for new people to the pod, a reference to the fact that B list joined all of us at Spartan stadium for the Youngstown state game where Greg attempted to haggle for tickets I tried After to save him 10 bucks. Uh, butchering the online purchase experience. We don't need to be sharing this story. Mamopoly is going to mention it next week. Um, but we'll, uh, you know, we'll hit you up on the, on the Venmo, my man. Uh, I also, uh, you know, do not recommend uh, SeatGeek. SeatGeek. Uh, I believe we are about to protest that charge on the credit card. Because things are just not working out with their support. Wait, uh, really? I thought it was supposed to be uh, refunded by now. That's what they no, said. No, it's not. It ain't. It ain't there. So, and not know. in writing, by the way, Plum. Yeah, not in writing. Uh, and I've been exchanging emails with them. By well, you know why? Because they did say on the phone. There's no one. The listeners don't care. But the, the refund apparently has to come from the ticket holder, mm. who probably did think that it was sent. It just wasn't sent. Well, they're not communicating that to me either. So Got it. that's where we're at. Uh, next up from Spartan 18770. Uh, how many people will be arrested in East Lansing October 30th? <laughs> Both teams are undefeated at the time. That is, of course, the Michigan-Michigan State game. 
and uh, 107,000, give or take. Yeah, there are uh, several couches in this town that are marked currently. <laughs> Including the Grams. Next up uh, from Spartan 18770, what wealthy alumni can we get to do a two or $3 million name, image, and likeness for Walker and Reed next year? Telling you, bro, uh, just give me the money. I'll, I'll take care of it. Yeah, we should start a uh, yeah, crowdsourcer. Well, we should. This podcast could do it. Yeah. Like a reverse sponsor. Yeah. Uh, but no, seriously, uh, Matt Ishbia, uh, if you're a listener, um, you know, you know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do. Uh, next up, wide receiver to combo guard. Uh, Kenny wins the Heisman. Uh, is he more loved than if Kenny wins the Heisman? Is he more loved than cash? Yes, is the answer to this question. You get you, to you be so. Yeah, he would become the program's first and only Heisman winner. I don't. I, I'm not. I'm not buying that. Uh, are you serious? Yeah. Are you serious? We had multiple years of love for Cash, and Cash Cash navigated through a, uh, a emotionally, psychologically, politically difficult yeah. time. This doesn't say. take away from Cash. The question is. In the pantheon of MSU athletes, pass. Would this is a bad take? The Heisman winner is going to go above a guy that was a one-time Big Ten Player of the Year. Well, I'm, I, I'm not trying to take away from Cash. I'm just stating a fact. I don't uh, think he's more. I don't think he's more loved than Cash. I mean. Yeah, Cash went through some shit, and there's a lot of reasons that we'll always love Cash, and that'll be it. But when Kenny wins the Heisman, all right, that's going to be unreal. Yeah, all right. Next up from Elon Bloom, uh, fewer bad takes from Plum, uh, from Jelly. This one's going to Plum. What bowl game will the Spartans <laughs> play in this year or next? It's the Rose Bowl. Uh, it's the Rose Bowl. It has to be the Rose Bowl. Is that a is that a playoff game this year? Well, when it will be when we play in it. So let's just say that. I'm honestly. It's he's typing here. I'm typing away. Where, what are the. It's not. It's not. Uh, no, that's me. Uh, that's me. I'm looking at the, the Big Ten bowl bids. Um, it's cotton and orange this year. Cotton uh, and orange. So that would mean that the rose is on the is on the menu. Um then you've got Citrus, Outback, Holiday. Well, that assumes that the Big Ten is going, which after Oregon's loss, likely. Likely. Yeah, that was crazy. Lost to Stanford in overtime. Uh, but in what does that overtime say? Overtime that Stanford really earned. So Does that mean that Ohio State is, like, if Ohio State runs the table, are they not going? No, they're still going. I mean, they lost at home. They lost at home. And then they're going to lose to us. So that's going to be huge. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I mean, I think I think you want a New Year's Six, or even if it's not a New Year's Six bowl. Like, I, we actually let's table it. We got a conversation about the uh, the the ceiling and the floor for this team. So, um, uh, next up, uh, I'll leave this to you guys because you were the ones out here uh, defending the targeting calls. Uh, can you explain targeting to me and how last night's call applies? Plum, can I take this because uh, I, I need to redeem myself? Yes. So, Elon Bloom, I, I will be candid. Um, I, I cannot explain the rule to you. Um, and I will also say this, that my perspective on on targeting is, 
some experience with sport and, and certain, like I look at hockey and things that were, were taken out of the hockey game and how generationally that was, that kind of started at my age and, and grew up over time. Um, but Starting I also with at, the glowing puck, which was a huge mistake, <laughs> bring back yeah. the glowing puck. But I also look at this from the perspective of, of someone who studied and practiced law and, and looking at the sort of, how do you how do you evaluate the virtue of punishment? And I don't mean to wax philosophical on this, but like you're you're looking to penalize people for a reason because you're looking to change something about the game, and and targeting in particular has a severe consequence, more severe than most penalties in the game. So you're really trying to stop it from the game, and I can't look at anything about that play, and in particular because they stopped it and reviewed it and explained to you how anything about that resulted in a person being ejected. I can't explain to you how it deserved a 15-yard penalty. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about that that deserved penalty from my perspective. Yeah. And and I say that as someone who said, you know, the review on Angelo Gross the, the week before they got pulled back, I, I think that's a good review. Like, I think that's worth looking at and saying, we don't want this to happen in the game anymore. And as much as it stinks... I thought Chuck Brantley being ejected was a fine thing because he just needed to keep his head up. You're just trying to change the conduct of the player, not the hit. And so I can't look at anything that happened there and say that deserved to happen. I think, can I just say that, you know, they, the league and I think by extension, the officials are still trying to figure out the practical implications of making some of these decisions. Clearly it has become clear to me, at least that, However much autonomy the referees and the replay booth used to have, they don't any longer. Because too often across the NCAA, the final decisions on these are being made on the field by officials who are un by the, like the on-field referee, who again and again this season has been unwilling to change their mind based on as soon as it's basically being reviewed, it's generally, you know, if their inclination was to toss them, they're gonna toss them. So well, I there was I, another flag that got picked up in this same game. Okay, so then, well, I my I guess my my larger point is I don't think that there is a lot of clarity in the league still, and I think this season is going to be one of those where this had to have been a point of emphasis for the referees. The Big Ten always has them. All the major conferences have points of emphasis every season. This had to have been one. Whenever you have a point of emphasis, there's always overkill, and the overkill comes back at the end of the season with the referees saying, yeah, we probably got a few wrong, but we wanted to err on the side of that because that's, to your point, Jones, what's going to change the behavior or change the culture. But but so Plum, I I think one of the things that I like about the targeting rule as it stands now is that it's automatically reviewed because that that incentivizes for the on-field official to just throw the flag, right? Like you don't need to worry about getting it right or wrong. Like just if you if you saw a trigger, throw the flag and and we'll review it. The thing that I think, you know, you'll notice there's a diction difference in when they after they review, they'll say the ruling on the field stands or the ruling on the field is confirmed. Right. And and there's a difference between was there evidence to overturn it versus over evidence to say that that was the right ruling. I would be fine with the rule being that the, the language has to be confirmed. If it's not confirmed by video replay, then maybe there's just no ejection. Maybe it's just a 15 yard of penalty. Maybe that's the difference. I Like, I don't know, but I, I can't help but say. There's, there was, there, I didn't even think that should be penalized. 
Yeah. Like he didn't do anything that to me that said we should stop people from doing that in a, in the game of football. Yeah. And, it, and it, it, it's all about the practical enforcement. I mean, I think if they're only looking at helmet to helmet and they're not giving any contextual read, your point is right. But he didn't even, he didn't even hit him with the shoulder. He hit him with no the arm. Helmet to like, helmet in this case. It was, t- it was a terrible call. So, so no, Elon Bloom, to answer your question, I can't explain it. And thank you for the question because we didn't talk about it before, but it's a bummer because Cal Halliday, a uh, hell of a player, another D'Antonio guy, but like. Big strip. Yep. Uh, Big strip this game. Yeah. Uh, next up from Elon Bloom, uh, if things can continue at this pace, who is the better chance at the Heisman, Reed or Walker? Walker. Yeah, it's Walker. Walker. If only just because wide receivers don't win the Heisman. Yeah. Um. Next up from Fish for MSU, what is the Western Kentucky mascot? Looked like Elmo's father, a, Elmo's father, a hairy red M&M. Oh, oh, the Hilltopper. So mean, Fish for MSU. So mean. But uh, not incorrect. But not incorrect. Grimace's bastard child. Yes, it is some kind of like, you know, <laughs> like the hills have eyes type of situation right. more than anything. Correct. Correct. Uh, also, uh, here from Spooky Mac Watt, uh, what is the new floor for this year's team and the ceiling? All right, let's let's round robin this. Uh, very quick. Greg, let's start with you. Well, as the guy that said at the beginning of this year and then stood by it, six and six, uh, I adjust that up. I'm going to say that the new floor is at least seven wins and the new ceiling oh, is wow. 11 wins. Wow. Yeah. All right. Plum, what do you got? Uh this the ceiling. Yeah, I'm with I'm seven. I'm eleven wins. Ceiling for sure. All right, no, but what's your floor? Uh four losses. So eight and four, so eight, eleven and one. Yes. Eight wins, eleven yes. wins. Yeah, I, that's I'm I, that's where I still was. I still was at I was always at eight and four. All right, Jonesy. Uh I I think eight and four is the floor, and I think twelve and zero is the ceiling. So okay. uh, next up, Anthony Garvert, are you concerned about the amount of bending slash breaking, or was this game the product of the WKU air raid? I think we addressed this a bit, but uh, does anyone have any thoughts on this? No, I think we I think we covered this. Um, right. So she it, points it, it, out uh, that. MSU is now the number three red zone defense in the Big Ten, which is kind of where we landed on this. Foley, Michael Scott, thank you, uh, GIF on that. Yes, that's correct. Uh, right, next yeah. up from Garvert, how do you think, the, like the student section's new nickname, seems like a low blow to the swim and dive team? That was the thing that my wife pointed out right away. It was like, you can't do this after what happened with, with swim and dive. You can't do this. I actually, I love that. <laughs> I like I like the idea that uh, that Bill Beekman was in the workshop on the just like, let's <laughs> twist this. It'll be my last act. It'll I love my, that. I love that narrative. My <laughs> first event or whatever it is he's doing now. Uh, and prop bet of the week from Garvert. Uh, the number of wins from now until the U of M game versus Big Ten East titles in the next five years over under one point five. Um. I, I will point out that he uh, Garvard has adjusted now his his oh, over unders because he knows that we don't do them correctly. Um, so what basically what Garv is saying here is, well, first off, how many how many wins? I I think it's a split these next two games. What about you guys? Oh, so so my answer is push. 
Okay. Oh, is that how we're supposed to say it? So I think we have two wins. Yes, I do too. And I think we have two Big Ten East titles. So I think we push. Okay, push. I push. I'm all in. Garbert's out here like, look what you did to my boy. Look what you did to my boy. Did I do it wrong? Uh, no, I think you did great. Uh, next up, Johansson Sven asks, uh, Johansson Sven. Uh, why we have so many new questioners. I love this. Yeah, yeah. welcome. Welcome, Johansson. Uh, why have we seen MS? Why have we seen MSU offense go limp in second half two weeks in a row? Well, um, I want to ask you about going limp in the second half. I refuse to answer, and we'll take the fifth. <laughs> it's uh, a good question. It's a good question. All right, Greg. Uh, do you have thoughts? People on this? are asking. I was I was with you what you said earlier about uh, about the Nebraska one being a actual concern, and then the Western Kentucky one being more about circumstance and just things not entirely working out. Yeah, I think they just they just biffed on a couple of things. I'm, I'm not worried. It's I'm very, not worried. Very we'll see how they are on Pets Getaway. Hi. Uh, Next up, Jake Hawkins. Hey, Jake. A buddy of mine thinks being number eleven is too high for MSU. Greg, you agree with him? Yeah, I'm your buddy, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> he's the bud he's the buddy bud. i mean i have seen a top 10 msu football yeah team this before. is not it yes sure and this but you you would agree that college football is chaos this year it is that is the thing the thing is right now you've got to find 10 teams to put in front of them and you are got a 5-0 and oh michigan state team yes we yeah do. and that is just sort of how rankings work you know it's not really about where you belong it's about do you win your games? You move up. Do you lose your games? You drop down. It's can a- I t- can I twist on this though for you, Greg? That based on what you've seen so far from this Michigan State team, do you anticipate that they end well within the top fifteen? I don't know about that. Top twenty? Top twenty? I think this will be a ranked team at the end of the year. All right, I love that. Here, I here. That is ahead of schedule. Well, at eight wins, we'd better be. Uh, all right. Next up, Forrest J. Page 86. The 86er. Great year. Uh, how many true freshmen have burned red shirts already? Uh, Chuck Brantley is the only one I can think of off the top of my head. Also, will red shirting more guys lead to more transfers? So um, my guess is that we don't know who's burned the fre- the red shirts uh, because we don't we've not kept track of special team snaps. Yeah. Well, someone out there has, um, but yeah, I guess Brantley has for sure. Nateate, how much time has he spent? Uh, on the I think I don't know that he's. I don't know that he's quite there, but he he will burn his his red shirt. Yeah, yeah, I I, I kind of agree right now that maybe red shirting is less important because the because the transfer system is speeding up. Um, I don't know how this is, it's, it's a new calculus and I don't know quite how it all is going to play out yet, but I, I think we're going to see coaches use eligibility when they have it and they need it a lot more now. Yeah. 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 I I don't think you save anyone for next year. Why would, why would you? And it's easy for you to say like, oh, okay. He, he goes in four years instead of five. I'll bring someone in from the portal, you know, I'll backfill somewhere. Yep. yep. Uh, which actually we didn't even talk about. Uh, Tucker's going to get to add three more transfer slash recruits this year because of the dudes who transferred out. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be a fun little signing day bonus. He is a professional uh, at it. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, Rachel K. 
Um, Rachel, welcome to the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's going on with our defense? Seriously. Well, Rachel, if you just fast forwarded to this one Twitter question, you should rewind because we have totally covered it on this pod. And Mike Jones wants you to just think that all is well. Ignore all evidence of the contrary. Yeah, I was going to say, is this Rachel K or is this Alex Plum? Like, nothing, this was, nothing, nothing. This was Plum's question at the end of the game. <laughs> so, Rachel, you are in good company with this question, but I do believe that we we have uh, covered it at this point. So, Rachel, I'll just say this. If, they, if Rutgers scores 28 plus on us, ask me the question next week. Like, ask me that next week. Uh, next up, Mike Jones, not me. Vegas started the over-under for wins at four or four and a half, depending on your book. Since we've won all and are all now rich, what are you doing with your winnings? I'll say, Mike, I don't bet on Michigan State because I'm superstitious. Same. Uh, But you didn't finish the question, which was, he's attempting to buy seat geek. You can think. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Mike Jones, let me know if you actually do buy seat geek and uh, I won't. uh, And you can issue his refund forthwith. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I won't protest that charge all right next up from mike jones i think we need to start an msu football drinking game every time they talk about thorne and reed playing football in high school together you chug if they mention middle school you need to shotgun i love that (laughs) what would be your addition to the drinking game kevin greg uh let's see um if msu scores on the first play from scrimmage that's a uh that's a shot um first time they touch the ball i think is maybe a better yep yeah uh what else do we have um every time bendo break bendo break yeah every time (laughs) there's a red zone uh defensive stand uh that's a shot every Uh, time behringer has a punt over 50 yards that's yes and every time maddie c from here on out, misses a field goal. Now that he is uh, tied yeah. for the lead of all-time made field goals, and I think gotta, that would be... You better finish your drink. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or ever, every time the uh, broadcast crew throws the, the Maddie C glow up that they stole from MSU Twitter up on the oh, screen. Oh, yes. Else, uh, yeah, yeah. That's another drink. So uh, this is great, though. I, I love this. Um I love that they kept saying high school and then correcting themselves on the Big Ten broadcast because it's so amateur there. <laughs> All right, next up, CTNTC. What's your favorite vehicle you've ever owned? I mean, it's your first vehicle for everyone. It's got to right? be your first. It has to be the first. In my case, it's a Chevrolet Beretta GT. Oh, it's the Beretta. Cool. I liked the Beretta. Yeah. I like the Beretta. Coupe. Actually, mine is not my first. I had a... Uh, I had a uh 2000 was it 2000 2001 uh tj two-door jeep wrangler soft top stick shift with the half doors i bought it when i lived in atlanta that thing was just amazing in the atlanta weather to go you know full top down oh for sure a lot of fun would you call yourself just like a complete jeep loyalist oh i am a loyalist to be sure and it's offensive we just were camping this last weekend up north in wilderness state park and with the roof on top, the rooftop tent on top of yep, the, yeah, and which is very handsome. I've seen it. It's been in my it's driveway. That's a comely vehicle. And the like, uh-huh. you know, you get a lot of credit with the other Jeep owners because of you know how you've rigged it up. So, hi-oh. real thing, real uh, thing. Very nice. All Next right, up. oh, uh, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm Go gonna ahead. give it to you though. Who gets more minutes at the five this year, Hauser or Sissoko? 
I think it's going to be Sissoko. Uh, I think we're going to see plenty of him playing, and I think Hauser is going to get the, some time at the four at as the four, well. Yeah, that was what yeah. I was thinking. Yep. yep. Uh, between Sissoko and uh, and uh, what's his name? Oh my god, how am I totally spacing on my fellow Slenderman? There's going to be a lot of minutes taken at the five, so Hauser is going to find himself pulling Damn. after the wing a little bit more. Yeah. Um, plum. Uh, Finally, from CT and TC, is anyone that MSU or Michigan has played this year any good? Uh, Nick Kamansky, because our two Michigan trolls have found one another, uh, points out Western Michigan. Um, <laughs> what, what do you think? You've yeah. watched, you've watched all, or you've uh, consumed several. all of our games and several Michigan games. What do you yeah, think? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I thought Miami was supposed to be good, and they theoretically were and Northwestern could once have been and Nebraska has had glimpses of goodness. Um, and we were challenged in at least two of those three. So one is led to believe that, you know, those are things uh, Michigan has not been challenged at all. Not at all. And so uh, apart from by Rutgers, but inexplicably really, I mean, at the end of the day, they should have won the game 30 times and never did. So that's on them. I mean, Miami just beat the living tar out of Central Connecticut, but then lost to Virginia. So yeah, then that's the point. And who is Central Connecticut? So <laughs> next, uh, I will um, point out that this will be extra fun if Michigan loses to Nebraska, <laughs> and if and when we lose to Rutgers, which won't happen. But still, like, so then look at that. I I think it's also worth pointing out that uh, that there's a whole dialogue that went between CT and um, and Nick uh, Kamansky, our other Michigan listener about computer rankings um and i just Something have to say only michigan fans just nerds on a sample nerds. size nerds five games that uh, seem to overly rely on the transitive property which we all know is a bs measure no oh. it's perfect for sports <laughs> mathematics damn it mathematics all right all right next up this one's for jones <laughs> from john hubbard the devil approaches you and guarantees a win against Michigan, but only if MSU loses one game in the next two weeks. Who would you choose to give uh, to give State its first loss of the season? The Butger or Indiana? <laughs> you had to. I think there was uh, some uh, auto. Uh, was that a typo? Here. I don't <laughs> think John Hubbard quite uh, meant to type those letters out in that order. The majority of it. Yeah, John, you, want to get, you might want to delete your, some of your tweets, brother. Uh, <laughs> you can't see it, but I'm pulling up my collar over here. It's for sure Indiana. It's for sure Indiana. Yeah, but except yeah, for forks down, I want yeah. that spittoon. There it is. Pass. I don't need the golden jug. Uh, next up, who's angry at MSU's success this season? He says buff bros, but I think he means broke buffs or Wake Forest. And the answer is broke buffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Unhappy. Can we can we be honest about our level of emotions if Mel Tucker left MSU? Can we be real about that? Oh, I don't, yeah, I'm, not ours, prepared, I'm not prepared to be that emotionally vulnerable on the pod. Ours are now founded. He he didn't even go 500 in his one season with the broke buffs. Nor so. did he in his first season in our program. So let's just be clear. Like you can understand why they're he looking at. Technically hasn't gone. He technically hasn't gone 500 yet. Well, I'm, but I'm just okay. Fine, but I'm just saying there's an opportunity cost that they're now able to see and cash in on, and it is expensive. Especially, Isn't Wake Forest ranked right now? Uh, yeah. 
Um, they are. They I'm talking about. I'm talking about Colorado. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, I was just. I was pointing that as a like in comparison point that they Wake Forest. You know. <laughs> also, they, if you can be bothered uh, to go, bo- you know, see what's going on with the Buffs, um, they have reason to be upset. Uh, things <laughs> yes. aren't well over in that program <laughs> right now. And finally, from John Hubbard, uh, Jonesy exclamation point. Uh, we're four weeks into the season and haven't heard anything about your fantasy team. How's this season going so far? Well, John, that's a great question you raise. And here's the thing that I re- lean back on I can't be bothered to care about a league that gives me 24 to 48 hours notice about a draft time. Except so, everyone listening to this that's in fantasy football will know that that is how fantasy football can look, look at times. When you play at an elite level, that's not how you play. Yeah. And so I just, uh, I can't be bothered. Does everyone want to know what Jones nope, is? Nope, nope. Uh, Moving on, Alex Seabass, <laughs> first-time questioner, long-time listener. Alex, we thank you for your participation. Dick his ass, Seabass. <laughs> I'm sure he loves that. Wine him, uh, uh, As much as I love Mike Jones, who? Uh, next up uh, mm. from Alex is, after seeing what Mel Tucker has been able to do with a handful of transfers and some not-the-most-athletic roster... What do you think you'll be able to accomplish with a team full of his recruits in a few years? He says, I'll hang up and listen. Alex, we love the talk radio isms very much here. And yeah, thank you. Little, Avid uh, public uh, radio supporters. Yeah. We and, need a little and honestly, pop, Alex, pop. we, we have a lot of listeners that we don't know who they are and, and thank you. Thanks for asking the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, uh, Greg, we'll start with you cause you were going to talk and then I cut you off. So just talk about this. I was going to talk about your, uh, Oh no, no, no. Just talk about this. We need to move. The, the show's running long. Let's move on. Oh, we have to move on. We're, we're How convenient. The time. Uh, I mean, it, the future is bright. Uh, I think that things have sort of aligned themselves very well this season. Um, and yeah, shit, his pitch is way better than we ever there, thought it was going to be. It's as we pointed out earlier, it's being done with a number of D'Antonio recruits in very notable roles. So, I, I don't think there's any reason to think, though, that Mel Tucker isn't going to have a very successful time here as a as a football coach at this moment. Anything you guys want to add to that? No, you got it. it. I, I, I well, no, Greg, I'm going to push back for Alex. What do you think he can accomplish in a few years with his dudes other than a Big Ten title? No, I'd like, that's, I think that's. I think we question. see potentially a Big Ten title or at I least a Big so. Ten title game appearance in the next five years. No, I, I in the next I, five years, we will win the Big Ten again. That is absolutely a guarantee. 100%. I will not take anything less in the next five years. Listener okay. guest Alex Plum, lock it here. All right, next up, Nick Kamansky. I'm, I'm the first one that called the eight-win season out of this out of this trio, which you've all jumped on that bandwagon, you no, bandwagoneers. I think if we back the tape up, I was on that uh, Let's back it up then. All right, next up, Nick Kamansky. If 5-0 and Michigan State and 4-1 and Western Michigan were to meet on the gridiron, what would the score be? Oh, my God. No idea. God, Nick, like, <laughs> you guys are so fixated on this dumb, dumb thing. I don't know. What what are they fixated on? That, that, that Western beat Pitt. Like, it is the dumbest fixation. Okay, we're moving on from this question. Who cares? Was WKU... Coming today in the second half of the game Saturday. What? Was, yeah. was Western Kentucky coming today in the second uh, half of the game? It's sort of a two, a, a two pump sense, if you will. Or was uh, it like cut coming? 
Yeah, I think this is a Tuck Kevin reference. Yeah, I think it's a Tuck. Uh, because he asked next, what's the criteria for determining is someone or something is coming? Um, yeah. Uh, you'll know. I, I know that this is a can't read, can't write podcast. So I, I should, I'm the last person that should be speaking to someone about their grammar. But if we could just try a little bit, Nick, you did go to the University of Michigan. One might think you'd have some self respect in how you type out your Twitter questions. But that's, Nick, again, neither here nor there. You, you know it when you see it, and wow. you're going to see it. Uh, next up from the Gluten Weasel uh, How big a loss is Holiday for the next week's first half? And uh, what is targeting? Let's focus on the first half of this. Okay. Okay. Because we've already agreed we don't know anymore, and the referees don't either. Uh, that's a good question. I think he's a big loss. Uh, I was very happy with Holiday, and not only me, George Blaha was very happy with, with Cal Holiday um, for some impressive hits. So I, I listen. I think we're going to be missing him in the first half. And I think that's going to, he's going to be the pep we need to awaken this team in the second half, because sometimes we do get in a little bit of a slumber and Cal Halliday isn't going to let us. Big game for Q Crouch, big game for Q Crouch. Uh, but you hope that Noah Harvey or Ben Van Sumeren can step up here. So that's, that's what you got to hope for. You're here. Uh, next up, Joe Ashworth. If you made an outrageous statement about a rival program suggesting that you would eat something inedible if they met some minimum performance target, would you follow through or chicken out? Are you guys familiar with this on the Twitters? Um, no, what I, I knew say. halfway through that this was a Twitter thing, and this is probably some Michigan fan. Oh, it was. I saw that he was going to eat a shoe or something. If he, if we, if we won over four and a half, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> wasn't a shoe. Yes, it was a shoe. Which I mean. Like, I don't know, you know, I, I know they pride themselves on their education, but you had to be a real dumb shit to not think we were going to win over. It's not years. how they think, though. It's how they feel. And that's just how it is. I mean, it really is representative about how they feel about themselves and about us. And so uh, I don't know. I wouldn't write that out loud, though. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I perpetually feel like the university is in Michigan. Uh, university of Michigan's a fraud, but I don't write it. Well, he'll just say it here. Yeah, but you, but it. this is Why temporary. This is this is radio. You can't record it. All right, there it is. There it is. <laughs> there it is. Who this- from this team is going to go highest in the 2022 draft? Is the next question from Joe Ashworth. Well, this is kind of getting thrown up in the air now, isn't it? I mean, I think it's X. I think it's X. Yeah, I, that's right. sort of what we. Let's say it. In earlier versions of this question, that was what we were saying, but I'm not saying it with the same degree of confidence that I used to. Okay. You, wait, you think it might be, uh, you think it might be Jaden or, or, uh, I mean, Ken? they're making, they're making waves. They're making names. All right. So next up, uh, now that it's October, let's each do one of these. Uh, please give me one movie. Oh, each. That should be on my Halloween movie watch list. Gotta be Hocus Pocus. Hello. Oh, geez. Hello. Uh, there was a mid-2000s vehicle uh, that came out of the Bruce Campbell camp called Bubba Hotep, which you probably haven't watched, but you should. It is worthwhile. Um, so I'm not a scary movie person at all. Uh, Bubba Hotep, I'm, not that scary. Just uh, I'm going to go with 28 Days Later. Ooh, okay. Zombies. That's nice. I mean, it's not a Halloween thing, but no. you know. No. If you're, if you're in the scary movie mood, it's one of my favorites. Also, you always got to put in a plug because this is an MSU podcast for the Evil Dead series. Oh, so. yeah. Though, uh, what's his face? Um, who's the actor? Give Bruce me, Campbell? Me, again? Yeah. Uh, apparently, uh, 
kind of a dick. Hmm. I've heard the opposite. Uh, so uh, a mutual friend of ours um, was a big Bruce Campbell fan and met him. And apparently he was a giant a-hole. Okay. Well, all right. Fair enough. All right. Anyway, last up, uh, another first time questioner. Thank you for joining the pod. The big C exclusive with, I think, a great question. <laughs> Do you miss Brandon Sowards? Anyone is anyone going to stick up for Brandon Sowards? I will. Brandon, Brandon Sowards' mom out here is is glad that she can watch MSU football games and enjoy special teams. But go ahead, <laughs> this this young man. <laughs> this he, okay. I love that his mom is like. This is so much better than what my she's son like texting delivered. him. She's like, Brandon, why didn't you do this? You did fine, but it's better now. It's just better now. Listen, so what if he had 42 punt returns for 276 <laughs> yards over almost six years playing? for? Wait, he had that many yards? He did. In fact, he did. Uh, I think the bigger thing is, the bigger thing is, he was academic all Big Ten honors five times, guys. And for that, he should be applauded. Hmm. Pass. Okay. Well, athlete, student, not student athlete. Brandon Sowards, miss me with you. Oh, rude. God. We miss you, Brandon. Great. Ended on that. Oh, God. You and your. (laughs) Oh, I'm trying so desperately to remain relevant, but I'm such a dad. Yeah. God, just go put your new balances on. Take a walk. Um, All right, guys. We did it. The uh, the (laughs) team is five and oh. The team is 5-0, and ranked number 11 in the land. I think we all knew that, that was going to happen. In the yeah, I did. I did, damn it. Uh, any last words before we, uh, before we call it? 6-0 no. in Piscataway, baby! I just want to say thank you for bullying me, and I'm very happy. <laughs> you love it. You love the attention. All we'll right, see guys. you next week, everyone. Go green. Go white. Go white!